Hope you'll also take time to find your listening guide. This morning as we get ready to go to the Lord's table, I'd like for us to think for a moment about the love that Christ has for us. Every time we come here, I remind our congregation and we'll remind uh, and share with those of you that may be guests here this morning that we understand when we come to the Lord's table that it's exactly whose table it is. It's the Lord's table, not ours. And so that means that if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then he welcomes you to come and commune with him and with us here at this table this morning. So you need not be a member of Seminole First Baptist Church. If you know Jesus and you follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know he saved you. He invites you to come and to participate with us this morning. And we hope and pray that you'll do that this morning as well. We've been talking about 2020 vision. We've been talking about when you have that vision, things get clear. You begin to see what really matters. Uh, things become crisp, defined. I begin to realize that uh, I had a problem with the doctor, eye doctor this week and found out just how severe that problem was. Uh, I, you know, my eyes have changed over time. I've gone from being... 2020 vision to then it get being a little bit uh, nearsighted, had astigmatism, and hit 40. The day I hit 40, uh, had to go to bifocals. Uh, then began to start having more uh, farsightedness than nearsightedness, and, and that that changed and everything. But I got to the doctor's office and had the most experience of this past week. Never had it happen before in all my life. With my glasses on, the doctor says, cover your le your right eye and look at the, the eye chart with your left eye only. And she said, read the, the smallest line that you can see. And I said, you're going to have to go up the scale a little bit there. I could not see a thing. Never. Before. Matter of fact, the letters did not even look like English letters. They looked like Chinese letters. It was bad. And then she gave me the news that the eye doctor did that, I've got the beginnings of uh, cataracts. And, uh, of course, they don't meet the protocols where I'm going to have to have surgery. But one day I'm going to have to have surgery. And my dad assures me that that's going to clear things away and I'll be able to see clearly again. Sometimes we need that in life, don't we? Just things to clear some, all the distractions and all the junk away so we can just see clearly. That um, book that Rick Warren wrote back in the year early 2000s, uh, The Purpose Driven Life, helped with just the very first page, the very first words, in the very first chapter under the, that section entitled, uh, What on Earth Am I Here For?, when he said this, It's not about you. It's about Him. You know, when you and I come to the Lord's table, it helps us get that kind of clarity again, where we clear away everything else and we hear someone say to us, this is not about you. This is about him. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, of him. We remember him. We remember who he is. We remember what he has done. But here's the good news. It's all about him, but it is about you. Because everything he did, he did for you. And he did for you because he loves you. So this morning, as we think about focus, 
I want you to focus on his love for you. And we're going to stand in the honor of reading God's word in uh, John chapter 15, beginning with verse 9, and we'll read through verse 14. The words behind me on the screen, I invite you to join with me as we read these words together in unison. Let's read together. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. I want you to notice two verses. Verse 9, as the Father loves me, I have also loved you. And Jesus says, abide in my love. Then look at verse 13 where Jesus says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And in verse 14, Jesus says, you are my friends. Let's pray together. Father, we come this morning always looking to you because when we look to you, we always find clarity. When we look to you, you always give us that 2020 vision and you allow us to focus. This morning, Lord, we want to focus on the love that our Savior has for us. Not that he only had, but that he still has and always will have for us. Help us to abide in his love this morning as we focus right there and bring you glory and honor. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Once you hear Jesus again, when he says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. He's talking about loving one another, and surely he's talking about for you and me to understand that we need to love one another, and one of the ways we love one another is we set aside our rights, lay down ourselves for our friends that we love. That's that's true. But then in verse 14 when he says, and you are my friends, he's reminding us again that he's going to lay down his life, and he did lay down his life for us. I want you to just focus with me this morning on his love and just understand that because of his love, Jesus came into this world for you. Now hear me again. This is all about him. It's, that's where the focus needs to be. It's on him. And yet at the same time, everything that he did, he did for you because he loves you. And so one of the things he did for you is that he left the glories of heaven to came to dwell down on this earth for you. He came here for your sake. He came here to serve you. Listen to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He came to serve you. He also came to save you. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke's gospel, where he said the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I hope you realize, everybody in this room, either you are lost or you were lost, but not a one of us has ever escaped that lostness at one point in time. All of us have sinned. All of us have come short of the glory of God. Being lost 
It's just simply you're separated from God because of your lack, because of your sin. That's who we all were at one time. Some of us came to know the Savior. Our sins have been forgiven. We're no longer lost. We're now found. But Jesus came so that we, the lost, could be found. He came for you. Jesus also came to give you abundant life. I have come that they may have life. They may have it more abundantly. And so here's the reason why Jesus left all the glories and the splendors of heaven to come and dwell on this earth in human flesh so that he might reveal his love for you by serving you, offering you salvation, offering you life. Because of love, he came into this world for you. Because of love, he suffered for you. Jesus suffered for you. And those words that Paul wrote to the uh, Corinthians, talking about the Lord's Supper, he explained it this way. The Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Each time we take that bread, we remember the physical body of our Lord Jesus Christ. He became flesh and dwelt among us. Fully God as if he were not man, fully man as if he were not God. But Jesus Christ came in a, a human body, physical body, so that he might suffer for us, and he suffered physically. Uh, don't fall into the trap of thinking, well, he's God. And so therefore he has escaped suffering. He doesn't feel what you and I feel. He, God became literally flesh and blood, dwelt among us. This was not a sham. This was not play acting. This was not smoke and mirrors. He literally became flesh. So that you need to understand that every time they slapped him, every time they punched him, every time they pulled out a handful of, of his beard and they beat him, he felt every blow that fell upon his body. When they pierced his brow with the thorns, he felt every thorn that was piercing into his skin. As they nailed the nails through his hands and to his feet, he felt the pain of that moment. The excruciating agony of the cross he endured, and he experienced it just as really as any other human being would feel the pain and the torture that goes on in that whole process. The dehydration, the suffocation, the the excruciating pain, all of that he experienced. He didn't have to. So why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. But he also suffered humiliation. The spotless, sinless son of God, nailed to a cross, being executed as a common criminal. And the people that were there that day treated him like a common criminal. Those that walked by, they laughed, they jeered, they mocked, they, thurl, they hurled their insults. The two that were standing, uh, being crucified rather, next to him also railed on him, the scripture says. They made fun of him because they humiliated him. But something that you and I don't think about much very often is the fact that as he hung there on the cross, he hung there naked. Maybe a loincloth, but most scholars think not. Completely exposed. Nothing more humiliating to a Hebrew man 
than that. And there he hung on the cross for you and for me. Why? Because he loved us. But there was another suffering that he endured, and it was the emotional suffering. Begin to sense it when he cries out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment of time, he becomes what he and the Father hate the most, sin. Didn't just simply become sin in general. Paul tells us he became our sin. Did not merely just bear our sin. He actually became our sin so that the fierceness of God's wrath fell upon him in order that by becoming our sin, we might become the righteousness of God in him. Why on earth would he do that? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because of his love, Jesus prayed for you. As he hung there on the cross, the very first words that he spoke from the cross were a prayer. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Who? Who's he praying for? Is he praying for the Roman soldiers, experts in crucifixion, knowing how to make the whole process last as long as possible, inflicting as much pain and torment as possible, delaying death as long as it, but ultimately bringing death? Was he praying for them? How about for the Jewish authorities, the Jewish leaders who had trumped up charges against him? Was he praying for them? Was he praying for the thieves that stood hung on either side of him as they railed upon him? Oh, I know one of them will repent. One of them will call upon him. But in that first moment, the scriptures say they both were railing on him. Was he, was he praying for them? How about for his disciples who had deserted him? How about Judas who had betrayed him? Or Peter who denied him? Was he praying for these? Yes, he was praying for these and so much more. Because he was also praying for you and me. Because you see, it was your sin and my sin that nailed him to that cross. It was because of our sin that he had to suffer and die there. Because he suffered and died in our place. Taking upon himself what we could not endure ourselves doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And why would he do that? Why would he pray after such torment and all that he endured for our sake? Why would he pray, Father, forgive them? Because he loves you. He loves you. And Jesus died for you. Again, he says, greater love has no man than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. Paul, writing to the Romans, would write, but God demonstrates his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's an amazing thought, isn't it? Several years ago, Ronnie Henson and Mike Payne wrote a song entitled, when he, when he Was on the Cross, I Was on His Mind. Listen to one of the verses. A look of love was on his face, the thorn, thorns on his head. The blood was on his scarlet robe and stained it crimson red. Though his eyes were on the crowd that day, he looked ahead in time. For when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. He knew me, yet he loved me. He whose glory makes the heavens shine. So unworthy of such mercy. Yet when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. 
When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. He died for you. Why? Because he loved you. Because of his love, Jesus also lives for you. It's a wonderful story how much he loves us and how much he sacrificed for us. But if all Jesus did was just love us and, and sacrifice for us and die for us, and that's the end of the story, then all we're left with is a very tragic romance story. Isn't it? But it's so much more, isn't it? And it's all because he rose again. That's what takes the tragedy and turns it into a victory, that Jesus rose again from the grave. Paul wrote to the Romans and said, Jesus was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. In other words, Paul's making it very clear, without the resurrection, we have nothing to cling to. Without the resurrection, we have no hope whatsoever. But because of the resurrection, we can be made right with God. And why would Jesus rise again from the grave? He, he does so for you because he loves you. But there's something else. Listen to what Paul writes to the Corinthians. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Since by man death, since by, since, for since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. In other words, because Jesus rose again, you and I have the hope of a bodily resurrection as well. Because Jesus did that, and he did so because he loves you. His resurrection is not just a thought out there that's just one of those thoughts to applaud. It's one to embrace. It, it has to do with you. It has personal impact on your life. And it symbolizes and it speaks so loudly and clearly that Jesus loves you. Just the way you are, Jesus loves you. Also, Jesus prays for you because of his love. He prays for you. Wait, Pastor, you already said he prayed. I said he prayed. This is present tense. Jesus prays for you. He didn't just pray for you in the past. No, he continually prays for you. Listen to the writer of Hebrews. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercessions for them. Where is Jesus right now? He's at the very right hand of God. And what's he doing? He's praying for you. You ever thought to think about that? That ordeal that you were going through, that you didn't think you were ever going to get through, and yet somehow you, you got through. How did you get through? You just persevered. Why, why did you persevere? Because Jesus was praying for you. He was interceding for you through that entire ordeal. That's the only reason you made it through. Because Jesus, that's the only reason you were able to get up enough courage and enough strength to, to persevere and just muddle through. Because Jesus was praying for you. That temptation that you were going through. And that somehow you were able to find the grace and the strength to say no to the temptation. You know why? Because Jesus was praying for you. Oh, and that temptation that you were going through that you didn't pass. The one that, that tripped you up. The, the one that revealed that you really are a sinner. And yet Jesus was still praying for you even when you failed. As he reminded the Heavenly Father, I, I, I died for that sin. Don't, don't hold that one against him. Don't hold that against her. I, I died for that sin. 
as he intercedes for you, as he prays for you. Oh, and, and then you came back to the Father. You know why? He was praying for you. He was praying and interceding for you through that entire experience because he wants you to know one thing above all things. He loves you. He absolutely loves you. And you know what? Right this very moment, you know what he's doing? He's interceding for every one of us in this room. And he's saying to the Father, Father, help them to get it. Don't let them miss it. Just how desperately I love each and every one of them. He intercedes for you. He prays for you constantly because he, he loves you. Oh, and because of his love, he's coming again for you. That glorious promise in John 14, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Listen to it again as Paul describes it in 1 Thessalonians. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Jesus Christ has done everything necessary to make it possible for you to spend eternity with him in his Father's house. Why? Because he loves you. Here at this table, we are to remember Jesus. We are to remember him what he has done for us, what he has done for you, because he loves you. And as you remember that, and as you focus on that this morning, let me just ask you three questions. Number one, will you receive the love that he has for you? Not everybody has received that love. There, there are some that will spurn that love, some that will reject that love. But there's a wonderful promise found in John chapter 1, verse 12, for all that will receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. The right to become members of God's eternal family, his forever family, because you open your heart to receive all that Christ Jesus has done, the love that he, that he offers you, the grace that he offers you, the death that he died for you, the forgiveness, the hope, all that he offers you because he loved you. If you'll just open your heart to receive it, he says, you now become a child of God, a member of God's forever family. Have you received it? Are you willing to receive it if you haven't to this point? Will you allow his love for you to change you? There's a reason that he did all this, and that's because he, he wants to transform you from who you were to who God originally created you to be. You've got to receive him in order to experience that, tra that transformation. You've got to be willing to allow him to change you. So are you willing? Have you allowed his love for you to change you? Paul, writing to the Romans, said, do you not, or do you despise the riches of his goodness? forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. 
Jesus came into this world to save sinners, not to make good men better. He came into this world to transform you and transform me. So my question is, have you allowed that love to transform you? Are you a new person, a new creation? Have you been born again because of what God has done for you through Christ Jesus when he died, revealing his love? Have you allowed that love to change you? One other question. Will you allow his love for you to motivate you to live for him? 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Paul, writing to the Romans, said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Have you allowed his love to so transform you that you no longer live for yourself, but now you're willing to live for him. Not just willing, but you are living for him because of his love for you. This meal is all about him. Make no mistake about it. This is about Christ focusing on him, what he's done. But we can't get away from the fact that he did this for, for you, for me. Because he loves you and, and he loves me. Because he loves you. Hear him again as he says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide. Live. Dwell. In my love. If you're going to do that, then you and I need to focus on him and his love for you. This morning as the plates are being passed with the, with the bread and the cup, it's tempting to just let your mind wander, but would you not do that this morning? Would you focus instead on his love for you? All that he's done because he loves you. Father, as we come to the table, we come remembering our Savior. We remember all that he's done, and we remember why he's done it. Lord, I pray this morning that we would hear above all the noise in the world today, a noise that tells us that we're not good enough, that tells us we're useless, that tells us that we're not worthy, that we would hear your voice loud and clear. And we'd hear the voice of Jesus loud and clear, reminding us we are loved. You have loved us, and you love us still. And Christ has loved us, and he laid down his life, life for us, and he still loves us. He still prays for us. He's still coming again for us that belong to him. Father, praise you for that wonderful, wonderful love. And I pray for the ones that may be here today that have never opened their hearts to receive that life-changing love. May this be the day, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.
Savior say thy strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find in me thine all in all Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper's spots and melt the heart of stone. Jesus paid it and stain he washed it white as snow let's pray and dear heavenly father we just finished singing about how you paid it all you paid everything for us lord we just we thank you for that jesus uh, this isn't um, a time where we come to give money to try to earn our salvation, to try to pay anything back, Lord. We just simply uh, give you this money. We give you these talents because we love you, because you loved us, Lord. Lord, I just pray that this would be a joyful time where we would just worship you during this time. And Lord, we just give you these things that you might glorify your name in Seminole, in uh, Florida, in the United States, and across this world because. It's your name that deserves the glory, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.
see almost 40 names on the screen right there. Pastor Mike uh, wanted me to uh, call to your attention, too. Uh, we got a professional quote to have the uh, painting done upstairs in the, in the uh, professional quote for all the stuff upstairs was $16,000. So we're going to write a check for $400 for every person names on that screen today and take care of that. No, we had a good time yesterday. Thank all those that came out. Um, you want to go by the choir room. We, we raised the floor in the choir room. So there's another expense that would have been a professional builder's fee that was done. We had a great time yesterday. Thank everybody who came out. Uh, and helped us with that. Immediately after the service, uh, for those of you that signed up for it, we have a taste of Seminole in room 400 right across the uh, vestibule and hope to see you in there uh, for in just a little bit. Uh, next Sunday afternoon is a VBS kickoff meeting at 4 o'clock. If you are thinking about VBS, never worked in VBS, worked in VBS for the last 40 years, whoever you may be in that spectrum, we invite you to come uh, next Sunday afternoon. This meeting is for everyone as we kick things off. Uh, the uh, pictorial directory uh, update is going to be done on March the 7th. Lori has six spots left. Uh, so if you uh, have had a life change since then, you've got married, lost a spouse, um, joined the church, anything like that, uh, please see Lori and get that in there. And then everybody in the church, I believe, gets a uh, updated directory uh, as a result of us doing that. And then senior adults, today is the last day uh, for registration uh, for Midwest Food Bank. Uh, on our in Georgia and our trip in April, so make sure that you uh, let Lori know or let me know about that. David Peak, do I am I doing anything for you? Two. David uh, Peak uh, is on Wednesday nights leading the growth group called Forgotten Jesus, and in conjunction with that study, uh, they are taking a trip to the Holy Land Experience, which is in the Orlando area. He has spots for two people left. You don't have to be in that growth group, but if you've always wanted to go and you're interested in that, uh, David is in the back. Um, and he will be take, helping to take up a benevolent offering. You can come by and see him, and he will get more information to you. But it's this Thursday uh, that they will be going, so make sure you see him if you're interested in that. And as I said, David and uh, other deacons will be in the back to take up our, a benevolent offering. Just those in our, in our church and our community who are not as fortunate, come on tough times, we can help them out in certain situations that they may be in. Pastor Mike, anything else? At the conclusion of this morning's first service, uh, during the time of invitation, Dirk Scott came forward. Uh, he and I had a chance to talk yesterday. God's been dealing with his heart in the last several weeks, and he came to the conclusion that he had been trusting in himself for his salvation and not in Jesus, but he wanted to, to put his faith where his faith really belonged in Jesus Christ. And so he's going to be baptized on uh, Easter Sunday. And so uh, anyway, just wanted you to be aware of that. And so when you see him, uh, you know, that. When you've been going along, along thinking everything's right and everybody thinks everything's right and then you have to confess that it's not, it takes a lot of courage to be able to stand up and say, this is what God's doing in my heart and this is where I need to be. And Dirk has made that. I assured him that we're going to be affirming him in that decision. So when you see them, you be sure to let him know uh, just how much you praise God for what he's doing in his life. And um, anyway, I'm hoping on Easter Sunday we'll have... Uh, at least four people being baptized in that day. That's a day when Southern Baptists have said, let's celebrate baptism on Easter Sunday. And so we're praying for that this morning. Um, I'm hoping that when, before it's over with, I want to be embarrassed because we only prayed for four and God had a lot more that he wants to bless us with. You'd be praying with me about that as well. But, you know, that also means we need to be sharing the story about Jesus. Because people don't just simply wake up one morning and say, I think I'm going to get saved. It's usually because somebody's been influenced in their life for Christ. 
why don't you pray about being that person and the person God's put on your heart that you might influence, that you might bring everyone in this room. Can you imagine what it would be like on Easter Sunday if every one of us brought one person with us? We'd have to bring out some chairs. I pray that problem happens, okay? God bless you. I'm going to be in the in the fellowship hall. If you're a first-time first guest, I hope you'll come by and give me a chance to meet you personally and uh, look forward to seeing you at that time. Someone comes to know Christ, that's worth a praise God from whom all blessings flow, isn't it? Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed with the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son.